Welcome back to Je ne sais quoi. I'm Michelle. And I'm Ada, and we are your hosts. And today we have a third person with us, a very special guest. Welcome to the show, Sanjana. Thank you. So Sanjana is my new friend. We celebrated our friend anniversary of one year in... So June? We like missed the first friend anniversary. I this is like my first time I've celebrated friend anniversary because we were introduced by a mutual friend, Noah from Je ne sais quoi. And then we so we had we could like mark with our texts, like when we first started texting and also the day when we first met up. So, anyways, this is like a collision of two worlds for me because I lived with Sanjana last year and then I would always have Michelle on the FaceTime mm-hmm. and then sometimes they would like say hi to each other but now I have them both on the screen. They're all in different places. So Sanjana, would you like to just say hello? Maybe say how you're doing, what you're up to these days, anything you'd like to share? Yeah, so I'm Sanjana. I'm very, very excited to be here. I've sort of watched Ada work on the show all year and I'm a longtime admirer of the show and also of Ada and Michelle's friendship. It's so nice to see you guys on your calls it, or it was so nice to see you guys on your calls all year. It's like a warm, happy feeling. So I'm very excited to be here. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. We're so excited to have you here. So we have a lot to talk about today. Mm-hmm. I would say that one of the main things that all three of us share passion about is Gilmore Girls. So maybe one of you can jump in and just say like what Gilmore Girls means to you. Yeah, I could start maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was through like elementary school, my parents were very big on educational TV. So most of what I watched for a very long time was TVO content. And I think there was a point in sixth grade maybe where the kids in my class were really into Gossip Girl. Um, and I think I was still watching Martha Speaks, which is like the show about the talking dog, which like teaches you n- new vocab words. But in grade seven, we got a Netflix account. And I sort of, in the space of that one year, I think covered like six years of ground in TV in that like I watched iCarly that year, I watched Victorious that year. Um, and then I sort of graduated up to shows that I guess I still like now. And so I remember mid-grade seven, I watched the first episode of Gilmore Girls. And I think I was a little bit shocked because they used the word slutty in the first episode. And I was like, I don't know if this is appropriate for me. But then a couple weeks later, I gave it another try. And then I think in that one week, I watched the entire first season, which was, I think, the first time like I binged a show that way. Mm. Um And then that year I finished uh, the entire series, so all seven seasons, and have been watching it on repeat ever since. I think it is my most watched show. Nice. Yeah, I would say the same that it was the first show that I binge watched. Like I got a Netflix account uh, at the beginning of like grade nine. Like I feel like I was pretty late to the game. And then I like remember seeing Gilmore Girls. I was like, oh, let me try it. And like I was automatically hooked. And like I then like I got my mom hooked. So we watched it together, which was very cute. I feel like it was like a few months. And we watched just like the whole series. Like watching a show for the first time is so like special. Mm. Uh, And then I recently rewatched it or like I rewatched what it was like season one to like season five or something and like I feel like later on it kind of was like it was still good but 
it was mostly like the first few seasons and mm-hmm. it's just like such a source of comfort it's just um it has that warm like fuzzy feeling to it and like just put an episode on and just feel good so mm-hmm. i just love it yeah so my turn at Gilmore Girls is kind of funny because I started also watching it in grade seven or eight, but then I just finished it like this year. Like it took me so long to watch it, which doesn't really, as you can tell from Sunjan and Michelle's story, doesn't really say much about Gilmore Girls, it says more about me as a TV watcher. But I remember it was like really funny because I started watching it and then I remember telling Michelle and Miranda about it. And then they both started watching it and both finished it, like, before I was, like, even done the first season, probably. I remember just whenever, like, I'm into a new show, I'd, like, talk about it so much. And I feel like I probably annoyed Ada and, like, our little friend group. I was like, oh, this (laughs) happened. And, like, just, it was so funny. Well, I don't think you did that because you would have given me spoilers. Oh, true. I'm surprised. Like, I've spoiled some things for Miranda. I feel like, I don't know why, if it's just Miranda, but I've spoiled things <laughs> for her. But that's good. I didn't spoil anything for you, Ada. Well, yeah, the, even though it took me so long to watch, I would still say it's my favorite show and would recommend to anyone. I also watched mm-hmm. it with my mom, which is, like, a really cute thing to do because it's, like, mm-hmm. the mother-daughter show. Yeah. Well, so one thing we were talking about with Gilmore Girls is like how you always will see conversation about like Rory as a character. So if you don't know about Gilmore Girls, it's about a mother and daughter and Rory is the daughter and she starts off the show being like this perfect straight A student. Like, you know, she's 16, like never really had a boyfriend before. She has her first boyfriend. And then like over the course of the show, People say that she, her character art kind of like goes down or like she makes some mistakes, like becomes a bit more troubled. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you guys think of that? Um, I guess two minds of it. On the one hand, I feel that in many ways she's a pretty consistent character in that I feel that a lot of the things that happen later on in terms of her making poor decisions, I would say, sort of, um, I think the seeds are planted early on, right? So in the early seasons, there's very much this sense that like she's never really messed up, right? Like she's Mm -hmm. used to being perfect. Um, And that's like reinforced a lot in that the couple of times where she does poorly is like such a shock to her and such a shock to her mom, right? Like the expectation is that she's always perfect and that things always work out for her. Um, and so I think that the her reaction to being told that she won't make it as a journalist sort of feels consistent with her character development in the earlier seasons to me. I think similarly with sort of buying into her grandparents' very privileged worldview a little bit and like their lifestyle a little bit is also um like the seeds are also planted in earlier seasons in that like whereas her mom is very adamant about getting away from all of that I think she shows much greater willingness to participate in things like cotillions and teas and and like shows interest in her grandmother's goings on at the DAR and things like that and so I think when people talk about like her quote-unquote character flaw it actually feels like I sort of see that as a testament to Amy Sherman Palladino's like excellent writing in that she planted all of these things and just sort of showed that like how these things were earlier, I guess, a strength of Rory's, right? Like they sort of made her lovable and charming in earlier seasons. They're also the things that sort of drag her down in later seasons. Wow, you explained that really well. That was like a full like 
book report. Like you have like the in-text examples, like evidence for each point. No, yeah. but I completely agree with that. And like, well, yeah, yeah Michelle, if you want to add anything, but I also like, mm-hmm. I think like maybe like each of us can also like, what you're saying with that about it being consistent with her character, I think it's also like, I think I identified a lot with Rory at the beginning of the show. And like, it was cool for me watching the show over five years or like however long it took me to watch it because I felt like I really grew up with Rory. And like, mm-hmm. at the beginning, like, or at the end, I was quite emotional because I was like, this is the end of an era. Like, obviously, we were like, it was like different rates because like, she like ages each season. And like, I think by the end she was older than I think yeah she well she was older than me the whole time but like I could mm-hmm. kind of see some things I'm going through now even I'm like wow like I wish Rory was here like I don't know like mm-hmm. it's just you I think as a young woman watching the show like you can identify a lot with like the characters on the show like and this, that's another thing too that we can talk about or that Sunjin has told me about before is just like how many like female characters they are and like I think there's like a kind of a character there for everyone or like you can see Mm -hmm. different parts of yourself in each character but I think with like the perfection aspect like that I think Gilmore Girls kind of like embody this fear I have of or I had of like being really perfect when I was younger and then just like hitting a wall and like burning and crashing and like that hasn't really happened yet and like kind of you know with the help of like therapy and stuff like I hope it won't but like I don't know do you guys what do you guys think of that of like the like illustration of Rory's perfectionism and like do you see it like how does that relate to your own perfectionism I see it like I can it can be like very I think relatable for people I wouldn't say I related too much I think like different aspects I related to it but I just like talking back to like the character flop of Rory and like like I feel like her kind of having some troubles and stuff throughout like the later seasons like makes her more like realistic and we were like talking about before like there's this video that like often comes up on my youtube recommended of like the downfall of rory gilmore and it's so like and like i've never clicked on it because i feel like i'll be like disappointed or something by it or like it'll be like a full analysis but i don't know i think like probably people can real like really relate to being like a really good student like being perfect at a lot of things and then just screwing up and just like being an adult and learning different things about life and just things like that which I feel like yeah is very relatable mm-hmm. I would say I guess sort of watching Rory grow up didn't really so much play into my fears about sort of crashing and burning as I got older. But I think sort of over the many years, I as I rewatched the show, it sort of gave me a sense of or it made me think a lot about like, who do I admire and who do I look up to? And like, Mm. who do I sort of want to um I guess who do I yeah who do I want to sort of form myself based off of right um I think especially when I first started watching the show I was like obsessed with Rory like I wanted to become Rory Gilmore um and sort of uh like I printed out the list of like the 339 books she reads over this course of the show and I was like I will read all of these and I think like one of the things I've sort of realized as I've gotten older is that yeah I'm very different from Rory um, I would say I I don't think I have sort of like the same I guess like perfectionism hasn't really been a huge issue for me or I guess in some cases it's also a strength but like I don't think that's something I've really identified with so much but I think sort of realizing that she's not a perfect ha- character has sort of 
been liberating in some senses in that like it's given me the sense that there's so many ways to be a charming attractive desirable person that it's not just the Rory Gilmore ideal like there's more to it mm-hmm. yeah oh that's so nice yeah I don't know I definitely am well I think just like seeing myself change over like the many years when I was watching the show like I definitely was more of a perfectionist when I started and that's something that I've like dealt with a lot but and then so it's really interesting to hear your like relation to that character arc I guess but yeah if there's like other characters like maybe we can like talk about some other characters or like Michelle if you want to talk about your um character quiz oh yeah oh yeah yeah so basically uh just scrolling through Twitter like a few weeks ago and I followed like a out of context Gilmore Girls where they like post pictures and just like funny memes well it's just like stills from the show and then they like the person who runs the account put this like quiz a Gilmore Girls quiz to see who you are and I was like oh my god I have to do this and so like I sent it to Ada and then I sent it to you Sanjana and um I just I think it's funny like I feel like there's quite a fan base for Gilmore Girls like of course there's like some kind of test like this um but I think it's funny like I scored like 75% Suki 75% Lane like 65% Lorelai 50% Rory 35% Paris and then 50% Emily and I don't know, I just, I thought, like, doing the quiz, it was interesting. And, like, seeing that, I think it adds up to see that, like, the least was, like, Paris, because um, I'm nothing like her. But it, it's just, like, fun to do these quizzes. But, yeah, what about you, Ada? You got... Um, I got mostly Lane, which I was surprised about, because I think I uh, I identify a lot with, like, Rory and Paris. Like, or I guess I just think that, I just love Paris. Like, I think Paris is so funny. And, like, I don't really think I'm anything like her, but, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess she's just so extreme. Like, I don't know anyone like herself. But Lane, Lane's character arc, I think, is also really interesting. Like, she definitely changes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not surprised to be the, I was the least like Emily, which I wasn't surprised about. But mm. I guess that could also be because of, like, the age difference and stuff. But, mm. yeah, Emily is a grandmother, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And then, um... Yeah, but Sanjana, so you are still waiting to do the test, but, like, do you, can you, like, predict? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be interesting if you would, like, predict what you will get. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I guess, like, that's one of the things um, about the show, and that, like, I think increasingly as I get older, I find that I sort of relate to the characters less. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that is just because, like, I think I've watched shows where I, like, relate to the characters so much, where whereas, like, it's less of so the case. Gilmore Girls um but I think I can imagine myself having like a little bit of Paris going um and then I can definitely imagine having both a little bit of Lorelai and a little bit of Lane Mm. Um, yeah yeah I'm curious to see your results yeah I'm excited to see them we'll maybe we'll compare and contrast Mm -hmm. the predictions yeah so what are the shows or characters where you relate so much to the character um so I guess most recently watching Never Have I Ever it was just um I guess like a little bit groundbreaking for me to see an Indian character on screen and done I felt really well in that there were so many moments I was like that is exactly how that happens so like there's this um 
sort of religious event that she goes to in the first season. And I was like, yep, that is exactly how like old Indian aunties like sort of talk to people and like the dynamic there. And then I think more uh, in this season also, just the fact that like, yeah, she's just like a normal high schooler, um, right? Like she's not limited to all these like stereotypes. So I think that there was a whole bunch of places there where I really felt like there was a character who had very similar life experiences to me. I think I was also watching Alexa and Katie, which is like a show for like younger kids, but early this summer and I sort of like in their sort of friendships in high school, I felt like that it was a much more, I guess, real, it was a very realistic for me depiction of like what high school is like in that you have all these friends and like they talk about schoolwork a lot, right? Like they don't really have a ton of drama. Um, and I thought that was like pretty fitting. Um, so I think, yeah, those are a couple of examples of places where I felt that I really related to the characters. Yeah, that's so Michelle's watched a bit of Never Ever Ever and then mm-hmm. neither of us have watched Alexa and Katie. But yeah, we were talking a bit about like representation and I guess like like you were kind of saying like what you just said right now of like the representation, like I think... I mean, even though, like, I do see people who look a lot like me on screen, like, there have been moments where I've been like, wow, like, or even seeing something, like, where it's, like, something about, like, be- like Jewish people, and, like, mm-hmm. I'll think it's really well done, and I'll be like, wow, this is, like, haha, it's, like, a little inside joke for me, like, I feel like when there's something made for you, it's a very special feeling, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm so happy that there is this show for you to watch, like, even if there's just this one even if it like you were like the only person in the world who like felt that way from watching the show I feel like that would have been like such a special thing but I know that there's like so many other people who felt the same way as you mm-hmm. probably watching Never Have I Ever so but I'm like also you were kind of saying like what is I guess the purpose of representation on TV like you've already touched on it a bit but like even like or you I think you were kind of maybe you can word this better Sanjana but like what is the purpose of like making like increasingly like progressive tv and what do like the creators or the audience seek to gain from that if you want to expand Mm. on that a bit yeah I think that's a kind of um an interesting idea that I've been thinking a lot about recently um and I think like with representation I think just seeing people who look like you on screen um and have And I think to like a pretty great extent um, on TV, we sort of venerate the people who like the main characters. Um, And so I think sort of having characters that look like you and or who have similar life experiences to you um, can be very very validating. I think this idea of um, what do we want to get out of sort of progressive TV, right? Complicated in that is the lesson is what we want to get out of that a lesson that we're teaching people, right? Um, So I find like sometimes, especially when people try to tackle, for for instance, racism, or um, I was watching Master of None and they did an episode on just like women's discrimination in the workforce and like sexual harassment. And I find that like found some of those were like super heavy handed, right? And the experience was a lot of like, you're preaching to me and like that definitely wasn't enjoyable. And so I think that like sometimes there, there's a fine balance to be strung uh, to be struck where you tell story like tell real stories of real people without and just by virtue of having a diverse cast and pulling from diverse experiences like that in and of itself makes the show worthwhile instead of trying to I guess directly address some of the 
political like some of the political things happening i think when it happens naturally it's really powerful mm -hmm. i think oftentimes when you have a sentence where you are literally for instance explaining what systemic racism is or if you have a sentence where you're where you have a character explaining what sexual harassment is like that tends to be a little bit less powerful just because i think most people don't go into shows looking to be educated they go into shows to experience a good story and so i think that part of good storytelling is having lots of different types of stories and so i think that's sort of the value of having diverse or as we call it like progressive tv um i think though there is a danger when we expect that our diverse stories be sort of quote unquote politically perfect in that like they net like the, the expectation that they never make for instance make sexist or racist decisions for instance or that they never um make mistakes like i think there you sort of get into preaching in a way that detracts from good storytelling mm -hmm. wow it sounds so smart i mean i know you're smart but like it's just like so like enjoyable just listening i feel like we could listen to that all day but yeah i think like one thing with shows like it's like annoying and like you could see when they're trying really hard to be progressive and stuff and like when it just like flows nicely and it's like genuine and real like mm. you can just tell like it's annoying when yeah shows just like try too hard and yeah it's noticeable yeah yeah, for, yeah also yeah I totally agree with Michelle like every time I hear Sunshine talk and also I live there so I get to hear this like mm -hmm. every day during the year I'm like oh she's so smart um and well spoken but um first I don't know if this is like I don't like put my the put my foot in my mouth with like what I'm about to say but I don't know it's just this just like popped into my mind like it's making me think of like what you're saying about like it being too heavy-handed and like making too much of an effort to like be politically correct or be political even it makes me think of just like because I feel like we always talk about like Lizzo on Je ne sais quoi and you know she just like put out her new song and music video and like I always just like think about her because I or like I don't know what quote she said it was like she did say a quote about this but like how she doesn't like try to create political art or music but like it always like just becomes political like just because she's like fat and black and like all of these things and everyone's like oh my gosh she's like being like starting this revolution and like mm -hmm. I don't know like I don't know if that's really related but it just kind of makes me think of like just the way that we make things political is like so weird or yeah. like I don't know like you try and then it doesn't work or like you try not to and everything yeah that's basically what I just popped into my mind right now but we brainstormed all these ideas about like tv shows but now I just realized too just like I I would love to talk to you about politics like I guess like politics or like Canadian politics and like we were talking about the West Wing and things like that because I think mm -hmm. you're with like the election coming up um oh yeah vote for the first time and mm. anyways there's just like so many things we could talk about I'm like oh my goodness we need to part two mm -hmm. but your dog yeah sorry she's <laughs> no, barking at something I don't know what she sees but wait, yeah, so like the West Wing, is that like something you've been watching recently or? Um, so the West Wing was a show. My aunt, actually, she works for the U.S. government. Um, oh. And she, I think, is like such an interesting person. I think um, especially growing up, my parents are more, more like math science oriented, whereas I think I it, like I think my interests 
skewed more towards the humanities. And my aunt actually has an engineering degree, but then went on to sort of work in politics um, or like in, she works for the uh, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. So but her job, I think, is like very uh, is like a nice blend of like arts and science. And so I think I was always like very interested in what she did. And she's also a storyteller and used to be in a part of a band and just like someone who I looked up to a lot. But one of the things so she used to recommend TV shows to me a lot. And so when she was over one time, she was watching The West Wing and she was like, oh, I love this show. Like, it just makes me feel so good. And so we um, talked about The West Wing a lot. And so that's how I sort of started watching it. So The West Wing is not on Canadian Netflix. So every time I went mm. to the US, I would be like all night, I would watch The West Wing. And then during the day, I'd like hang out with my family. And then like at nighttime, I'd be like, okay, West Wing time, we got to get through a season. Um, <laughs> and so then finally for my birthday, um, my family sort of bought me the, the full series, I think, in grade 11. And it I really, really like the show. I think it's very well written. I would say like the first four seasons are some of the best TV writing I've ever seen. Um, and the premise is it's a post-Bush Democratic president is elected. And it's about him and his sort of main like core group of staff. So there's like two speech writers and then there's like his press secretary, his assistant, things like that. And so I think that it sort of got me more interested in U.S. politics for one. And I think the other thing that I really liked about it was that I think especially in a time where people were sort of becoming increasingly cynical about government, it's sort of an example of government sort of working right, right? Like you have all these people who are passionate and committed to, you know, making the U.S. like the country that it aspires to be or it like sees itself to be. Um, and so I guess like in many ways it feels like I guess I feel patriotic for a country I do not belong to. To, um, while watching that show. More recently, actually, so my aunt was just visiting and so we were talking about it again and we were talking about the fact that it's a very, it's a, it's a pretty old show, right? It came out in the mm. early 2000s. And so we were sort of talking about like, how do we sort of think about the show now? And I think one of the things that's interesting is that it's a very white show it's a very male show like and that's in some ways consistent with like what the US government looks like right like it's not really the most di diverse place but I think sort of um, that feels a little bit more jarring on a screen now than it did even like a couple of years ago um, and then I think sort of like a lot of the jokes that are made especially like the sexist jokes and the fact that one of like the tropes that they use is that like whenever they want to explain something to the viewers they explain it to Donna who is is one of the character's assistants, right? So like she's one of the few women who's a recurring character and like the way in which every, everything is always explained to her as a way of like explaining it to the viewers, like a lot of those things feel, I guess, not quite as acceptable watching it now. So like that's one of those things that I think Ada, we were talking about like what makes a show hold up um, mm -hmm. over time. I think that's like one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit recently with um, with respect to the West Wing. Yeah, you would think that Donna would probably know what she was doing if she was like an assistant in the White House. But, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I almost want to make two episodes or something, but we can also come on during yeah. the year or something. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. This is yeah. really nice. Shall we do our song recommendation? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Do you want to start us off, Sanjana? I'm excited to hear yours. Okay. So, 
The song I chose is Diamonds and Rust by Joan Baez. And I think Joan Baez is so interesting. So I actually got introduced to her, like not personally, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. but I sort of came to know of her first as an activist. So she's been involved in like pretty much every, I would like every conceivable big sort of activist movement in the U.S. you can think of. Um, Like she was very active in the civil rights movement, in the Vietnam War, like the anti-Vietnam War protests, the anti-Iraq War protests, environmental things, um, just like such an interesting woman. Um, And she was actually like instrumental to sort of getting Amnesty International started in the U.S., like the U.S. chapter started. Um, And Amnesty International actually has an award named after her for like service to activism in your community. So that's sort of, I I sort of like came across her um, while I was doing a project on Amnesty International for school. And in doing so, I found some of her music. And she does a lot of covers, but Diamond and Rust is like uh, her, one of the songs she's written that's, I would say, the most famous. And I Mm -hmm. think she has a beautiful voice. I don't listen to that much folk music, but I think I make an exception for Joan. So that's my little song recommendation. Oh, that's so good. I love that song. It's such a good song. Yeah. I'm going to re-listen to that after. What about you, Ada? Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I love the story behind that, too. Mm -hmm. Um. I guess I'll just recommend Rumors by Lizzo because I've been listening. I was like looking for a song on repeat and that's like my third song in the list because it's so good and everything else I've been listening to is basically Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish. So I feel like I've already (laughs) recommended those artists, but... Actually, I don't even know if we've recommended Lizzo before, but this song is so nice and it has a Cardi B in it. Oh, mm-hmm. so. I will listen to that after the show then. Yay. And what about you, Michelle? Yeah, my song suggestion is from the Bangles, which actually like there's an episode in Gilmore Girls yeah. where they go see a show of theirs yeah so it's like I feel like their most famous song called Eternal Flame and I like made a playlist after I like rewatched the show called like there's nothing like the comfort of Gilmore Girls and I put like a lot of the songs that is like featured in the show and like I don't know re- like, the, like the one thing about rewatching things is like cool but like, you didn't notice or you didn't like realize or get um the first time and like they like mentioned Liz Fair in like one of the first few episodes and I remember just being like oh my god like I really love Liz Fair and I I think it was our just our previous episode exposing ourselves where that was one of my song suggestions so like when I heard that on Gilmore Girls I was like oh my god they they mentioned her but yeah no the song Eternal Flame is just I don't know very like wholesome song to me and it like I guess I really like nostalgic songs yeah, so that's my song. Kind of relates to Gilmore Girls and just yeah. it has I a nice vibe. I to the Bengals because of Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned and that I've been like in doing so, I listened to Eternal Flame. So that's a cool connection there. Yeah, very nice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anjana. It was so good to have you here and hear all of your wise words. Yeah. Loving me. I had such a good time. Yeah, we have to have you on for a part two. I look forward to that. Um, It was very nice to see how the interview process happened. Um, (laughs) Yeah. All right. Okay, bye. Bye.